So he's saying he's Jake Gyllenhaal, the actor. Yeah, that's a major red flag. Um, <laughs> I know. Wait, I got another one in me. I got another one in me. Okay. Now that we've gotten that out of the way. Hi. Hey there. Hello. Hi, losers. Welcome back to the Jake Gyllenhaal fan club. Once again, filling in for the normal one boy allowed 2 p.m. FM radio slot. Um, because Jem, my beautiful co-host Jem, is still gallivanting throughout um, Wisconsin and having a grand old time. Last time they checked in, not literally, like, literally last time they checked in. I'm saying that as if it's been, like, years since I've heard from Jem. But, like, they did send me a Instagram video where they um, have, on this trip, purchased about, like, 14, 13 vinyl records and then just asked, am I okay? And I don't know. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't have, I don't have all the answers. I don't pretend to have all the answers. What I do pretend to have, however, is a lot of credentials. Those credentials being that I am Justin Gross, which I, for, I forgot to do this last time. I can't believe that not one person reminded me <laughs> that I forgot to introduce myself <laughs> or my many, many titles, which is like the one consistent bit we have on this show. My name is Justin Gross, and I am the president, the CEO, the CFO, the CLO, the HR manager, um, the morale booster, and the beautiful, uh, I don't think it's a Clydesdale. I don't know what kind of horse spirit is, but whatever kind of horse spirit is, spirit the horse, we'll get there. Um, I am that kind of horse of the Jake Gyllenhaal fan club. Um, <laughs> last week's episode, I would class as one that was ambitious, <laughs> like, like deeply ambitious, right? Um, for those who missed it, um, either live or haven't listened to the podcast version of it, I did watch three Jake Gyllenhaal movies over the course of one week, right? Um, a feat of, of me, for me personally, as it is, I am often hard pressed to watch any movie, as much as I like movies, the idea of watching a movie on a day is a chore and one that I have to build up to personally. So that I watched three in a week and they all fit one unified theme, hey, that was pretty ambitious of me. And I intended to do the same thing this week with this week's episode of the Jake Gyllenhaal fan club. But time kind of got away from me, and um, I kept seeing other movies instead. Um, I watched um, a lot of movies out of uh, China, Japan, and Korea, because I am, I'm someone who's filled with culture. Um, I went to the Smithsonian Freer Gallery's uh, Korean Film Festival on Sunday. Excuse me. I went there on Sunday instead of going to Pride <laughs> because I, I hate going to Pride. Um, uh, and I saw uh, Hong Sang-soo's uh, In Front of Your Face and Introduction, which was deeply fulfilling to me personally because uh, I love that man and I love all of his movies. And, I ha and that was it. And I haven't seen any Jake Gyllenhaal movies this week. No, wait! I lied to you! I lied! Wait! I, I just lied. I just told you a lie. 
Are you okay with that? Is that alright? I just told you a lie. I lied to you. Anyway, yeah, I fully lied. I did see a Jake Gyllenhaal movie this week that isn't the one that um, we're going to have an extra special episode about today. Um, I saw Brokeback Mountain in theaters for the first time ever because normally, you know, it's a almost a... Oh my god, it's almost a 20-year-old movie. Um, and they don't really play it in theaters anymore unless, um, in the case of this screening, it was for Pride. Slay! I forgot how loud... Slay! <laughs> I forgot how loud she was. I forgot how loud B.B. Rexa was. Hi, gay. Hi, gay. Hi, gay. Hi, gay. Okay, yeah. Got those out of the way. Happy Pride Month. Happy Pride Month. Yeah, so um, the landmark East Street Cinemas in uh, Washington, D.C., right by the Metro Center Metro Station, were playing um, one gay or gay-themed movie every week, every Tuesday, as part of the celebration of Pride, and quite honestly, the only one I was interested in seeing. Actually, that's not true. I did want to see John Waters' Serial uh, Mom, but by the time I found out that they were playing it, it was too late to go see it. Bummer. Uh, yeah, the only other one outside of those that I was interested in watching, uh, in theaters anyway, was um, Brokeback Mountain, because Brokeback Mountain is obviously a very, like, vast, sweeping, cinematic epic of a film uh, that I think kind of demands that kind of viewing in a way that I'm not sure if movies like But I'm a Cheerleader or Tu Wong Fu do necessarily not to like I'm not and this isn't me like insulting or otherwise downplaying those movies in any way like I'm I'm sure they're great I haven't seen either yet Um, but I don't think that they are as like these are movies for the screen as um, Brokeback Mountain just like very much like lends itself to that sort of thing let me actually go see what the other ones are are in this festival before I start talking about Brokeback Mountain. Um, also, I want to shout out that uh, Landmark's uh, Pride lineup is <laughs> ten times better <laughs> than AFI's Pride, li- Pride lineup, and I can say that because I work at the AFI. Oh, they're playing a Morris. I do want to see Morris. Never mind. That's a good one. Um, dot, 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 dot. Yeah, they're playing Morris to Wong Fu, but I'm a cheerleader. Um, yeah, so movies that I otherwise wouldn't necessarily count not not count, but I wouldn't like immediately gravitate towards when doing a month long like these are the movies we're doing for Pride Festival. But again, like I would take a couple of those over um, some of the ones that that the AFI Silver Theater is getting in for its Pride programming. Uh, not as good, although they are, we are we I guess are getting uh, a restoration of Paris is Burning, and that's pretty neat. I would say yes. Very cool. But getting back to what I was originally going to talk about, which is the um, Jake Gyllenhaal film Brokeback Mountain. I know we said this last time we talked about it, which was pretty, pretty ding-dang recently on this show. Actually, that's not true. It's literally in January. Whatever. I know we've talked about this movie before, and I will probably talk about this movie again at some point in the future. My God, Brokeback Mountain is just such a, a, a great movie. Um, my... Third time around, letterbox review of it, which the fact that I just said those words out loud, I do think, like, warrants sending me to jail or worse, right? But my third time around watching this movie, my thought process was that, you know, my thought process uh, third time around does very much mirror my thought process first time around, which is, oh my god, Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger did that with Jake Gyllenhaal on on his beans only diet. What a brave, what a brave soldier both of those men are for having participated in such, in such, um, in such, you know, acts of physical strength and fitness, right? Um, let's, let's, let's put it, let's put it that way. Um, 
But, like, those two thoughts at the first and third times I've seen this movie are, like, you know, sandwiched in between this special, this super special thing that I think comes about on your second viewing of Brokeback Mountain. And I don't, I'm not normally a person who kind of lends himself to this type of thinking over a movie. Like, oh, you just have to see it however many times to really, really get it. Like, I'm not, I'm not that kind of guy, right? I tend to think, like, a movie has a lot to say the first time you watch it, right? But Brokeback Mountain is truly, like, a special movie where I think, like, there are just so many layers that, like, peel and unfold themselves with each passing viewing, and I do think that specifically um, the on-screen viewing was one that kind of solidified this idea that, like, ugh, truly, truly Ang Lee, and I wrote this in my little letterbox review, and you cannot have my letterbox, I won't tell you. Um, Truly Ang Lee is, like, a master of this idea of seen and unseen on screen and I say this as somebody who watched a lot of his movies in one semester because I also got to watch um basically the first four films in his filmography um as part of a class that I was taking on on like transnational Chinese cinema very fun um yeah Ang Lee is a pro at kind of making Moments that we don't see on screen, just as significant and weighty as the moments that we do get to see on screen. I think the best example of this is that, like, the first 30 minutes of Brokeback Mountain is just, like, one summer. It's one, it's one, like, three-month period. And the rest of the movie is an hour-and-a-half exploration of those two people not seeing each other very often after three months. It's a movie that I think is very, very, very expertly defined by, like, these absences between two characters and how these two characters, I guess, kind of navigate those absences and how these, and like, how the lack of having each other in each other's lives, like, really, truly destroys them. As we've talked about in our episode on Brokeback Mountain, of course, I think. I'm not going to spend too, too much time retreading ground here because, again, I, my feelings have not changed. It's a per, like, I don't know if I said, actually, I don't know if I said this when I, um, when we watched it, um, for this show, like, as its own episode, but I do think it bears repeating. I, uh, at least now, I do genuinely believe that it's, it's like a perfect movie. <laughs> like, like a per, like just a perfect, a perfect movie, I think. Um, I, I'm taking these big long pauses because like, I just truly, I truly don't know what else I can say about it, right? It's just so, it's so, it's so sensitive and empathetic and, which is, I do think is a feat for a movie that came out in 2005, and I do think is even more remarkable when you note that um, Heath Ledger out, out and out refused to um, present at the Academy Awards the following year based off of a homophobic joke that they were going to make about the movie right like I think I think that there is a remarkable sensitivity in this movie that I do not think that I think is very contrary to the time period in which it was um, produced. And I find that, I don't know, it's so subtle and so nuanced in a way that I feel like a lot of a lot of queer cinema doesn't seem to be as much anymore, which is which is sad to be a little bit. like the more the more of it we seem to get, the less of it seems to be super um, 
delicate, let's say. Because, Ang, I, again, I think Ang Lee's filmmaking is very delicate, at least here, where there is a lot of, again, a lot of this unspoken, multi-layered conflict about how, despite the fact that these two men are suffering, like, they are also kind of, like, like crappy people to other, like, a lot of the women in their lives, obviously, and and to each other. And it's, and no one is ever really, truly, like, blamed for that, which I think is a very hard line to walk, again, especially in 2005, right? I don't know. Ang Lee is just such a like uh, a director, a producer of remarkable sensitivity, and I also appreciate that. I truly do think that no other actors could have played these two parts, right? Um, Heath Ledger, because I do think you know, for as much as I find the like macho, ma- hyper masculine mode of method acting to be like truly detestable, I do think that there is kind of an element of that in here where he was truly willing to kind of go all the way on it. Um, not in, (laughs) not in, again, the method sense that he like, I don't know, became gay for it or whatever. Right. But more in the sense that like, there is, um, there is a, a, a lack of shame here that I think Heath in particular embodies. And Jake obviously does a great job too, right? Like he, he's equally, equally as devastating and towering in his performance as Heath is. But Heath, I think, in particular kind of has this like raw needing the the material where it's at didness of a performance that I think really truly bears mentioning, right? Um but every again, I think everyone in this movie, as we have said in our episode about it, I truly think everybody in this movie does a good job. I read a review or like a little post about it somewhere that apparently Michelle Williams, um, who was uh, at the time Heath Ledger's real life um, wife or otherwise like life partner, um, had apparently said like seen one of the scenes where Jake and Heath were like you know macking on each other for the first time. She was like, "Don't be shy." Be more, be more intense about it, and I <laughs> and I think about that. I think about that a lot. I think that that's really. I think that that's that's an that's an ally, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen. We've got an ally on our hands. Slay! I love that I can entertain myself. But yeah, I think everybody does a great job in this movie. Like truly, every everyone. There's just I. I think that there's nothing wrong with it. I. I truly think that there's nothing wrong with it. Even, I, I know that the last time we talked about it, I had this kind of sticking point where um, there is a distinct lack of, like, depictions of sexuality in this movie that I kind of took issue with. But again, I think getting more distance from that and then, like, watching it a third time, it I doesn't bother me anymore. It, I, I still kind of feel the same way where uh, could that distance be kind of like a clinical, I'm afraid to touch, uh, even even in a movie that is this sensitive, I'm afraid to touch this um, type thing. I don't believe that. Like I used to, I still, I think it, I think it's, well, I think it's possible. I do think that it doesn't matter as much as I thought it did, right? I think that there's plenty here. There's a lot of other scenes of like tenderness and love and affection that I think kind of make up for the like depictions of the act, right? Like I don't, I don't necessarily think it is 100% necessary. And I could even see again, an argument for a similar argument that drives um, Luca Guagnino's and uh, James Ivory's approach to um, sex scenes in Call Me By Your Name, a film that people have opinions on and I won't be talking about. Um, But I do think, I do think that like there was a deliberate effort on, either Guadagnino or Ivory's part, I do not remember. It was either that Guadagnino wanted to show it and Ivory didn't, or vice versa, where 
they they kind of for the sake of privacy between two characters um in an intimate moment they kind of like turn the camera away from sex scenes and i like that explanation a lot because i do think that it kind of refocuses the film on the relationship and not so much on acts within the relationship. I think a similar principle is at play here and I have changed my mind. I have changed my mind on the original, on my original perspective on uh, Birkbeck Mountain where I thought that I wanted there to be more um, homosexual lovemaking. Not that I don't, not that I, I don't want there to be more on screen, I think I think that that should be that should be noted. I I'm a I am a proud proponent of of that on screen, right? Especially between Jake Gyllenhaal and Heath Ledger. Hey, hey, can you can, can you blame me? But like, yeah, I I've I've definitely like on a serious note, like I have definitely changed changed my mind about it a little bit. Um, and do I have any other things to say about it? It was very refreshing. I'll I'll end on this note as we're about to I'm about to do our call in bit portion of the episode, which is the rest of the episode. Definitely very refreshing to be reminded of what a good Jake Gyllenhaal uh, film performance looks like, uh, or to otherwise have that at top of mind um, going into uh, this past Sunday, where. Um, dear friend and friend of the pod and in some cases roommate of the pod uh cat and i watched spirit untamed to really truly close out the the jake gyllenhaal chapter of our jake gyllenhaal podcast <laughs> i i don't know if i should let cat intro it or what but like i think i'm just gonna let cat intro it uh, for the most part, uh, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do Jem's favorite sound first. Okay, let's move on. Because I do have Jem's soundboard pulled up, and I wanted to take high advantage of it. Hey, Cat. Uh huh. Can you tell me about the film Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron to start? <laughs> um. So it is about a horse. Oh. The horse does not speak. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, first of all, I think he's a Mustang. That's kind of the, the horse. Is he a Mustang? Are, are Mustangs a breed or are they just like... Mustangs like... are a breed, I think. What kind of... This is what happens when people who are not horse girls... Yeah, I want to... Okay, let's take, let's take our claims on this little hill right here, right now. I don't know how Cat feels, and Cat uh, obviously Cat can can speak for herself. I, Justin Gross, hate horses. I hate them. They are horrifying, hideous creatures to me. They are b- built to to kill, and I don't like them. They are ugly. They're disgusting. They poop. They when you break when it breaks its leg, you have to kill it, and I don't like that one bit. Horses, dumb. Cat, how do you feel? <laughs> I I've. I used to hate horses, and then my friends who were supposed to love me kept on forcing me to draw horses (laughs) and kept on badgering me to draw horses, and now I appreciate them in an aesthetic sense Mm -hmm. in that they have really wild musculature and body, and I'm kind of just like, damn. Damn. Horses, not bad. Horses are at the very least built. (laughs) <laughs> Horse, horses are jacked dude horses they are, are they are, are ripped they're like 
front, like, chest area where their neck meets their forelegs. Ca- I cannot it's stress insane. to you enough that I truly try not to look at horses as often as I can. <laughs> so, no, I haven't. Okay, well, um, but I was never, I never grew up liking horses. I had the, like, like, you know obligatory performance of femininity where I was like, well, girls like horses. I should want to ride a horse. And I'm a girl, so... (laughs) And I'm a girl. Is there anything else I need to explain? But um, my parents were not into that because that's an expensive pastime. Horse ownership and participation in, like, the horse economy is no joke. Like, you have to invest... Like, okay, I come come from the experience of, uh, of a family who, like, who did an expensive investment in an expensive sport? Horse horsery, like horsing around, is an expensive hobby for your child to have. My old next door neighbor used to have a horse, or at the very least, participate in horseback riding. Oh my! Like how? We're okay. We live in a particularly like weird area. I will say that enables a lot of very like high investment high intensity sports because like we live both by a stable and an ice arena yeah right so like it is admittedly not super inaccessible to people to get to get up all all up in a horse right but like why why would you want to why I get, well, to be fair to her she grew up in North Dakota before she came here there are no excuses there are no well, excuses saying, to me. Because here's the thing. Here's, okay. here's, 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 my, here's my point A to point B logic. I would be hard-pressed unless you are especially rich, which my neighbor was not. Really? No, she wasn't. Not, like, not like notably. Okay. Because um, all her money was going into that horse. All of her money was going to that horse. Um, where, like, you... It is a rich pastime that rich people decide to go into and then pursue, whereas, like, somebody who's less wealthy would not even begin to consider that, oh, there's a stable around here. I might as well do it. Right. Um, whereas, like, if she grew up, you know, in the wild lands of North Dakota. <laughs> the wild, she, wild, literally the wild, wild west, I guess. Yeah. The I, wild, I guess wild North west. Dakota is literally the wild west. So I was going to make a joke, but literally that is yeah. the west. I guess she had, like, exposure before it exposure to it as maybe a less price prohibitive pastime Mm. as opposed to it being that type of thing now right or here rather okay sure um that being said uh and then another kid decided to do horseback riding because of her (laughs) in my street that it's a cult it's a cult. Riding a horse... Well, it's a cult, also. Riding horses yeah, is a but... cult. It's literally a cult. We were supposed to be talking about a movie. <laughs> remember, yeah, remember when I, when I asked you to explain... I, I mean, can, can you explain the plot of Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron? Okay, I need this to... I need to put a disclaimer in front of it where I got really confused about the time period because I forgot about key <laughs> I parts about of this. I, forgot, I don't know how I forgot about this, but yeah, yeah. So Kat, so Kat didn't know when trains existed. <laughs> no, I know when trains existed. I forgot that there was a train in this movie. <laughs> right. Kat, yes. Okay. Yes. Char- so, I'm sorry. I'm being so uncharitable. Spirit, spirit is a horse, a wild horse with his herd. He's the alpha horse in his herd. 
we see his literal glistening birth at the beginning. I hate I, every, every time you describe it, you say glistening. <laughs> a glistening because, birth. <laughs> no, because I had to rewind because I was like, there's no way. Was he w- that, was he a wet foal, like on screen? They they made him wet. Oh. I do not use that word lightly. They made him glisten. Oh. They gave him a little shine spot. Oh god. I, <laughs> And, like, you watch as, like, Mom Horace goes into labor, and, like, you see him emerge. (laughs) 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 Anyway, he grows up to be the Alpha Horace. Uh And and when I'm explaining this plot, I want everybody who is listening to imagine poorly written on the nose soft rock playing in this entire movie it is inescapable um because that's what the soundtrack is and he becomes like head head honcho horse and then he comes across the u.s marshals and he gets captured and it's this long kind of sequence of him being too spirited for the u.s marshals to break and the U.S. Marshals are like, well, we got to kill this horse. But a captured Native American man takes, saves the horse, and then they take riding, and they rescue all the other horses in, you know, U.S. Marshal imprisonment. But then, oh, no, the Native American man is like, you're now my horse, but respectfully, because, you know... <sighs> You know, because if, um, there's, if there's one thing that we as as awful awful co- colonizers know about indigenous pe- the indigenous people of this country, it's that they respect the animals, they respect, they respect the wildlife, they respect the nature. They're 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 on the same level. Listen, their primitive um, nature allows them to better respect the wildlife of their area, like that. Yeah, yeah. If there's one there thing we know, there were like a couple of things. That oh were my un- god, he is glistening. Yeah! Oh my god, he's wet! <laughs> um, oh but no, like, it he is, like, is a wet horse. And like, they do a couple of like, sound bites that are uncomfortably close to like, a war cry, and then one straight up war cry. Awesome, um, thanks. But, and then like, Spirit meets um, his Native American man's hot girl horse who just looks like a white woman. Um, which is the most a like a human woman person can look like while also being a horse. I will say I'm watching I'm watching the um quote unquote music video of Here I Am by Brian Adams, which is just the first, the opening sequence of this movie. <laughs> and I will say I will say this mom horse also looks like a like an adult human woman. <laughs> like we're making fun of me for calling her a milf, but that's what she wants. <laughs> no, this is a woman. This is a grown woman, and I you know I don't like that. I don't like that every horse in this movie is a grown woman <laughs> or like a grown person. Like it's like a grown woman. I but then the U.S. Marshals find them again. A girl horse and Native American man and stallion and spirit i'll go tumbling off a waterfall oh, God. um and like spirit i guess makes a deal with the u.s marshals by talking with his eyes and making a deal that like if you leave them alone you can take me um because the u.s marshals now just have a vendetta against him right and then this is where it becomes really funny that i forgot that there was a train in this movie <laughs> 
because the second half of this movie is Spirit being loaded onto a train, brought to a railroad station, a station which is to build more railroad with a, for a steam engine and to make more train. <laughs> right. Now, um, now, I gotta yeah. ask. Yeah, I guess... Cause, well, no, keep going with the conflict, because there's still conflict. Well, yes. So, he is brought to, like, you know, drag the steam engine over the mountain for whatever reason. But then he plays dead because he's a smart horse. And then when the last second when he's being dragged around out of, like, you know, the little horse chain gang that they've got going on. (laughs) (laughs) The exploitation of horse labor as this country is famous for. Um... He breaks free and he like he like breaks all of his comrades' chains and then he's galloping down a mountainside to <laughs> he's galloping down a mountainside to avoid a steam engine that is now tumbling down after him and then he goes to the train station and he bursts through a window and he and right as an explosion happens as the steam engine you know, makes impact, and he's running, but, oh, no, he has, still has a chain around his neck, and he gets caught on a log, and he starts choking himself Ugh. as his legs give out underneath him, but who finds him? It's a Native American man, and he rescues him, and then they go running, I think, through the Grand Canyon, um, escaping U.S. Marshals, because the U.S. Marshals are also here, and... <laughs> awesome. There's, like, you know, hijinks ensue, and they're gone naked, but, oh, no, they get trapped up onto, like, this, like, little ledge that has nowhere to go but down back into the hands of the U.S. Marshals. But, you know what? Spirit and Native American men, through their bond, make a leap onto the other side because there's, like, a little plateau on the other end. And they go, like, they, they're cheering and they're whooping, and then the U.S. Marshals make it up onto the platform. And they have guns. <laughs> and they have guns. And little known fact about guns, they're distance weapons. <laughs> um, and b- they're about to shoot, you know, the horse. But then the U.S. Marshal, the main antagonist, makes the man lower his gun. And they give, like, a little nod of approval. Because he like, respects the horse. Because he respects the horse now. And um, Spirit is given permission to take lady horse back to his herd. Again, make, like you said, thus making her feral. Thus making her feral. <laughs> um, and uh, live happily ever after. Wow. So All a soft rock plank. <laughs> so here's something we need to understand about Spirit Untamed now that we've, we've had a walkthrough of the plot of Spirit, right? Spirit mm-hmm. seems to be like a franchise that DreamWorks or the people who own DreamWorks have been trying to make happen for like a really long time. Because before this movie, we had the Spirit the Spirit TV show uh, released yeah. on Netflix called Spirit Riding Free, right? Which which had started on um Netflix in like 2017. And it also spawned like a couple like inner spin-offs like within that, right? Mhm. I just And I, I don't I don't get it, right? Like I don't know. I mean it is it is part of like this weird kind of like 
nostalgia cycle where you're starting to really dig up all you can right. in terms of old properties. Because Spirit, Spirit Untamed is, I think, 2002. It's, er- and it's early DreamWorks. Like, it is, yeah. It is early DreamWorks. And, like, so to be more than a decade later, go, like, you know what will really bring the kids back to us? Right. Spirit Untamed. Spirit Untamed. <laughs> Wait, I'm now looking at some of uh, um, the cast of uh, Spirit Riding Free, which is the show. Um, mm-hmm. It is all the same characters, and all of them, every single one of them, was replaced by a more famous person for the movie. Oh no! Every every single person. It is a it is a show entirely of like industry voice actors, right? Uh-huh. And for the movie, it's all famous people. Jake Gyllenhaal, Julianne Moore, uh, uh, the guy, the the police commissioner from, um, I almost said Brookback Mountain, the police commissioner from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, um, some famous, oh. some more famous child stars. Like, when I tell you that they replaced every single person, they replaced every single cast member in a in a show that had been running for two years with voice actors with more famous people. That's sad. That's genuinely quite sad, right? That's really upsetting. Yeah. Um so let's get to the movie now, speaking of. So I I guess like that kind of kind of gives us like a little bit of background because apparent again we're like spirit untamed is the movie that's working with like with like ru- like all these same characters but it kind of gives like a weird i don't want to say i i guess I'll, I'll say like it's like it's like a weird retelling of the premise of the movie of of the show yeah. right because this it has like it just like kind of uses like the emotional core right because because apparently the the premise of the show is basically the plot of the movie which is that um fortuna or lucky is a girl who has to move away from her uh from the city to relocate to the country where she was born in, but then her mom died and her dad sent her away because he just couldn't deal with the trauma. Um, because he was trying to protect her from horses, horses I guess. which I think is a noble cause because horses are evil. I just, I, it was so funny because in the movie, it like it was always like it's in those like those like narrative little cliffhangers. So it was like ominous little cliffhangers. Like I was trying to protect her. I was trying to keep her safe, and, like, that, and, like, in the way that kind of implies that there's, like, this big, bad secret. And then the big, that, bad like, secret is that her mom died while riding a horse. The mom died while riding horse, and she just couldn't take the risk. Right. So rather than trying to protect her from, like, I don't know, like, at least, at least trying to get her away from rodeoing or otherwise, like, extreme Ugh, sorry, extreme horse sports. That I I had to leave the burp in. I'm I had to do it. Um, yeah, trying to trying to save her from extreme sports via a horse. Like he just bans the the participation in horses altogether. But it's not like it's not like horses did not exist at that time. Yeah, you also like can't outrun horses. Like. Horses are horses. horses are we, everywhere. You <laughs> use we still use horses for transportation. Yeah, it's the night like it's the nineteen at most the nineteen tens. Like there are horses everywhere still. 
Horses are everywhere. You can't outrun a horse, okay? You can't outrun, outrun a horse. So jot that. First of all, jot that down. Um, <laughs> so so our, our main character meets uh, uh, the, the hottest, most nimble horse in the wild horse pack on a train to where her dad lives, right? And mm-hmm. and she decides I'm gonna I, that's gonna be the horse for me, baby. That's the horse that I want to ride. I want I want that horse to be my best friend. And then she makes it her best friend, and that's the plot of the movie. <laughs> she, she makes, makes it, it her, her best, best friend. friend. But but all the while, there are a couple of evil wranglers who want to capture that young hot horse and his horse pack for reasons. For money. For money reasons. There's also, like, a plot sequence that just drops entirely, where they're like, there's something suspicious about those Wranglers, and I guess they're, like, wanted criminals, but that's never just... It's never, yeah, they never, they never go anywhere with that. It's just that there are, they, they want the horses. The criminal, they're criminals, and they want the horses, and that's it, right? It's just to really drive home that they are evil and bad. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, she makes these two human friends in town... Uh, who also ride, ho- ride horses, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Um, and they set out on an adventure with Spirit, the horse, to go rescue all the other horses. And that's... And the only purpose of those girls is to... Is to expo- d- dump exposition, yes. It's to dump exposition and then to tell Lucky how to ride a horse. Because Lucky is that uh, protagonist uh, little trope of... Uh, she is just innately good at things, but she also does not know where she's doing and she needs to be helped and the entire boy way. Is she... Now, boy is horse riding like a genetic innate talent that can be passed down from generation to generation because not only does she ride that horse, she rides that horse bareback the entire movie. Something that I, that I know for a fact is painful and difficult and you shouldn't do if you're unfamiliar at it, right? Yeah. And yet, and yet here, here she is riding the wildest, most untamedest horse in the wild horse bunch bareback like it ain't nothing it is she that horse is throwing her around for because because it does not respect her and she to have mutual understanding and mutual respect it's so it's like you know horse movie i i think that the, like spirit like this spirit franchise could potentially have like a, a reinvigorate a horse craze in the same way that like the Hunger Games reinvigorated like archery for girls, right? Yeah. But the difference being that like there are few ways to do archery wrong. One, it would be mm-hmm. very difficult for one to archer in a way that I think would hurt yourself. I could be wrong about that. I don't know. I don't care. I mean, it's um, like it's pretty easy to mess up, but it's kind of like you can mess up at each step, but at the very end of the day, there are few steps involved. There are a lot of steps involved in, I think, main, owning an animal and writing that said animal. Right. Yes. I, well, I mean, like, you could break, like, with archery, like, at, at most, again, you can hurt yourself with, like, a thing. You could potentially shoot yeah. somebody, which would be very bad. But, like, yeah. on a horse, like, you could harm yourself. You could harm horse, yourself. You can harm yourself. You can harm another creature. You could get thrown off. That creature could kill you. That, yeah. Like, like the like at the end of the day a bow and arrow is not going to kick you in the head <laughs> exactly it's not going to kick you in the head you're not going to break your your yourself right like there are very i think there are very few ways that you can you can injure yourself doing archery and yet i so i i 
I'm not like think of the children's style like concerned about this, right? Because it's no. horses. But at the same time, it's like, but what message are we teaching our young ones where like they can just hop on a horse like it like it ain't no thing? And I think uh, for me is we're just like you couldn't have given two seconds just to get like even a saddle, <laughs> right? Like um, like just a little bit. Just like a saddle. Just one. I, not that, and, well, I mean, obviously you can't saddle spirit because spirit, you know, You spirit, can't saddle spirit. You can't hold spirit down. You can't, I, I guess. I think, I guess. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, the thing is, the other horses, like, they're, these, these other cucked horses, like, they can't, they're, they're, they're happy to take on a saddle, like, they don't mind, right? Spirit? Yeah. Like, I think that to, to saddle spirit would be fundamentally to break your bond and trust with spirit because he's, um... Your bond and trust with spirit. Because he can't be tamed. I... He's un He's untamed! He's untamed. Spirit's untamed, dude. And, like, after, like, brief, like, continuation of the plot summary, she, like, makes a bond with Spirit, but then, oh, the rest of Spirit's herd gets captured and they have to rescue his herd, and, uh... They manage to jump into a boat that is in the ocean, and then they go swimming. Um, and then they jump and, out of the boat, and they go swimming. And they jump out of the boat, and they go swimming. Um, oh, I need to bring something back. Give me a second. Because yeah. um, I, again, I hate to be the type of person who, like... I'm sorry, I'm also gassy. I hate to be the type of person who, again, like, dings the movie on, like, historical anachronisms, but I have to yes. bring back... Oh, I forgot I turned the PC off. I have to bring back... God, that's loud. The, um, the CinemaSins ding for this segment, for this episode, because, um, those things wouldn't exist. I don't know if Kat can hear it. Um... I can hear, like, the brief, like elevator ding sure okay that, that's that's all it is um yeah. here here's a list of things that wouldn't exist and in, in the world at the time in which spirit untamed basically takes place bubble gum one of the characters is chewing gum just for no reason at some point why why is she chewing gum i don't it, it doesn't it doesn't add to her character other than that like to state that she's kind of like irreverent and great and goofy and crazy and fun right because she's the weird oh, one she's the weird exactly she's the weird girl number two and this is one that cat bring brought up a lot during our viewing um jeggings <laughs> There is no reason for these for any of these female female characters to be wearing skinny jeans. Like, like they're they're out here like these twelve year old girls, but also like you know full grown women are out here ride, riding horses on skinny jeans. Which I don't know if that's like protocol or not in like general contemporary horseback ridingness. But also like in the nineteen tens, no one had skinny jeans. <laughs> there were no skinny jeans. You might have, like, maybe the barest hint of plausible deniability in terms of, like, the horseback riders. The aunt character does not have any business wearing jeggings. Her whole thing is that she's, like, a proper lady. Why would, like, even a proper lady of that time wouldn't wear, like, 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 sewn onto the skin pants, right? Not no. a thing. Next thing kawaii like mascot characters i jake gyllenhaal what we could we can briefly talk about jake gyllenhaal jake gyllenhaal plays um our protagonist's dad who again has horse related trauma which you know who doesn't um 
and he's kind of annoying. Uh, I, I get the sense that they wanted to make, like, a classic, like, ooh, hot animated dad character out of this guy, but, like, it just doesn't take, I think he, because this movie's hideous. We haven't touched on this enough. This movie is super, super duper butt ugly. I can't stand to look at it. It's like, it is like, it is like, it is like, 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 is it like Coco Lemon? It is like, those child, like baby child CG animated, oh, animated movie level of like barely rendered, mm-hmm. barely outside of like pure 3D modeling, the ugliest, ugliest things you have ever seen. Which speaking um, speaking of, um, dream, uh, we were confused by how this was a DreamWorks production. DreamWorks like did not make this. Like I think they distributed okay. it. They um. This was okay. DreamWorks's. Um, I don't know if they just have like a firm that they like they shop stuff out to. Apparently, it seems like they have a firm that they shop stuff out to, right? So they okay. did. They did all of the um, the production on this, and that's it, right? Like, and then DreamWorks okay. and then DreamWorks released it. Otherwise, because um, what else did they worked on? They did some asset production for the Boss Baby, which I don't know what that means because I don't care. Um, but like. But, like, for Spirit, like, they did, all, I think, all of the production on it. Mm. Whereas, I don't think, like, that is not the case with literally any other movie that they've made. Like, it's the only one. It had, it had a completely, like, a slashed, a slashed budget. And, um, and, yeah. I mean, even with the slashed budget, the fact that they spent so much of that budget getting more expensive actors which they could have fully avoided doing yep um the fact that they spent so much of a measly budget on like like jake could easily be a million bison <laughs> oh absolutely jake jake on uh, his own is probably like a lot of money but then you also have to deal with like um uh what's uh like again julianne moore there's no way that she comes cheap marcy martin mm-hmm. who plays the who plays the little black the black girl which um by the way Black mm-hmm. black ranch owner cinema sins ding no way that would have happened sorry um there's just not a, no it's just not a thing and talking to white characters yeah that would no, black ranch owner that was respected by white people not a thing it, impossible completely and thoroughly um she on her own must have cost a lot of money because she like she's a business like she's a young businesswoman and like you know she mm-hmm. hustles that that girl hustles right so she <laughs> so she probably she probably cost the budget a, like like a lot um no one in this cast came cheap, and I think that that's where they—that's uh, where their money went. Clearly, um, that's where their money went because it's like thirty million is not a whole lot for in terms of like it's not a whole lot by itself by like for like animated like an animated movie, right? But that's still like so like you undercutting that further with like you know big name actors who take who require big price tags like that's i wouldn't say you, an, it's not an a-list cast but it is like it's not a it's not like a d-list cast like you've got people in it and it's not a cast of know? only voice actors yeah and it is like it's not a cast of only voice actors it's like what purpose is getting a whole new cast going to do it is not like people who were otherwise uninterested in spirit untamed what is gone on the virtue of well i mean jake's in it well jake's in it did you know that this movie was nominated for best storyboarding from the annie awards which is the oscars but for animated film that can you believe that's kind of insane that's inexcusable that's kind of insane i think um 
Any other thoughts on on Spirit Untamed, Cat? <laughs> um, it is truly, truly hideous. Yeah, it's so it, deeply ugly. It was something that like I could not get over. Was just like at every step, it looked, it looked. It is bad when a movie looks like cheaply made for TV weekly 3D animation. Right, and it was released in theaters. And it was released in theaters. theaters. Like, that's insane. That's insane to me to Um, think of. The fact that uh, Lucky was supposed to be mixed with some form of Mexican, but she was just like the closest to white you could get. (laughs) And... But she did the fan fiction, like, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to switch back, like, like peppering in cinema sins, <laughs> Why would she, there's no way that a like a girl raised by that proper of a white family would be able to speak Spanish that well at that time? There's just no way. There's just, there's no, just way. no way. There's simply no way. Um, it was. I hate to be the person, the type of person who like picks on a kids movie like this, but also like it was so bad. It was just so bad. There's like there there's levels of of things that are allowable for like a kids movie to be not good. I think in terms of like I at some point there's a level of like plot contrivances or like plot looseness that you can allow for a kids movie because kids are not necessarily looking for that. Sure, yeah. But also if it's Lisbon theaters, you, that means that parent also has to watch through this. And could you imagine being the parent that has to suffer through this movie? I certainly couldn't. I would not do it. I wouldn't. I, I don't care how much but, I love my kid. So, like, you have to at least make, you have, you have to have at least have some parts that are, you have to have at least, like, some level of quality to it. Because also kids do deserve quality. Yeah. Um, kids are, was, kids aren't stupid except when they're stupid. Yeah. It is, like, and there's like there's one point where Justin and I both went, oh, that was cute. Yeah, exactly. Um, it one part in the entire movie. <laughs> um, it was a we had a rough go of it. I just I can't. We had a rough go of it. Um, I did not mean for that to be picked up on air. Oopsie. Um, I didn't mean for my PC noises to get to get heard on air. Oh well. Um, yeah, it was rough, and I hated it. <laughs> Sorry. It was rough. Um, the Jake. Oh, also, there's, Jake. like, a big plot twist where Jake was building a steam engine oh my in, God. His, in his garage. And it's the fastest steam engine ever made somehow. And he named it after his wife. Oh, my God. And that's and that's the, tr- that's the wife guy we need to see. Kat, I'm going to let you go now. All right. Thanks Bye. for being on the air. Um, and you will be You're footing welcome. the FCC bill if that happens. Bye. I will, yeah. <laughs> Bye. That was the Jake Gyllenhaal fan club forever what a way to go am i right um that's it no notes except for spirit bad movie hated it and we'll catch you with your regularly scheduled one boy allowed next monday until that point oh my god goodbye i really didn't understand the premise of the show